You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, happy Tuesday. You're listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's show is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. The holidays are right around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter NHL into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. Today we're talking about things that aren't perfect, and that's the Kings and their performance in Vancouver. Uh, We're going to look quickly at the Edmonton game since we didn't get to talk about that. And that one was actually fun. So we'll talk about that and then look at what went wrong in Vancouver and uh, what we have to do to like make it not happen again. So first up, Sunday, Kings played in Edmonton. And it was a game that like basically everyone on earth was like, well, this is a scheduled loss. We're just gonna allow 14 goals to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They can fight over who gets them all. And we'll just move on with our lives and go play Vancouver, who is bad. And so that'll be nice, fun, and whatever. Um, Instead, we went into Edmonton. And from the very beginning, from puck drop, essentially, the Kings dominated that one. Uh, They outshot the Oilers. They were faster than them, which is crazy, considering that it's the Oilers. Uh, They just were one step ahead of the Oilers every time. And they took advantage of the Oilers' mistakes. And, you know, guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl, who lead that team in basically every category you could imagine, didn't really get the chance to make much of an impact. McDavid ended the game with four shots on goal. Dreisaitl had one. Uh, the most successful in terms of generating play Oilers player was Darnell Nurse with five shots on goal. He actually scored the Oilers' only goal in their 5-1 loss. But this is a game where the Oilers just couldn't generate anything. And the thing that makes them most successful is the power play. They have one of, if not the best power plays in the league, and with McDavid and Dreisaitl on that power play, like they basically score pretty much every time they're out there. And so the Oilers have been having a lot of their success on the power play. And I think it was Jim Fox who pointed it out in the game, which was basically like, if the Oilers don't succeed on the power play, they don't really know what to do. And that was definitely what you could see happening in this game against the Kings. They had several power play opportunities and just couldn't generate anything. And the Kings were the better team at even strength. And that is sort of a trend for the Oilers. At even strength, they have not been a particularly good team. And really past McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're not a particularly good team. Uh, These stats are from a couple of days ago, so they might have changed. But if you're looking at the Oilers in comparison to the rest of the league, they are 23rd in high danger chances, 22nd in scoring chances, uh, 19th in expected goals, 23rd in goals at even strength. So they're getting the job done on special teams. When those special teams fail, Well, the game is a big question mark for the Oilers. And so not only did they struggle on the power play, they had two opportunities and the Kings denied them on both. They also had some penalty kill troubles because in the third period in this one, uh, Connor McDavid took a kind of un-Connor McDavid-like penalty for boarding. Uh, He boarded Adrian Kempe and the glass. Kempe's face got all cut up and uh, McDavid got five in a game for it. And the Kings 
got the major penalty that they got to uh, go to town on, scored three goals. Kempe, Dowdy, and Trevor Moore all got on the score sheet during that five-minute period. And that that was the game. Uh, this was a game that before that time, uh, the Kings were up two to one. And you're just sitting there waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for the Oilers to score. You're waiting for that, you know, the game to go, go into a tie. And so when that major happened, you're watching the game and you're thinking, well, this is it. Here we go. This is this is the game, essentially, because the Kings had already allowed a shorthanded goal. And so you're automatically thinking, well, crap, this is five minutes worth of shorthanded goals that the Kings could allow. They desperately needed to, sp- to score on that power play because they needed those goals because even without Connor McDavid, like you still don't trust it. You still don't trust that something isn't going to go catastrophically wrong in this game, even though the Kings are leading. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, everything worked out in that one. The Edmonton media and fan base is, of course, in a, like, ridiculous tailspin because they lost a couple of games. So at the end of the day, Kings leave Edmonton with a win over a team that they hadn't really been expected to accomplish much. And uh, we had good performances up and down the lineup. Again, like I said, Trevor Moore even got on on the score sheet there. Uh, we had lots of guys getting to the net. Kings had 40 shots on goal. Victor Arvidsson had four. Victor Arvidsson had five. Deneau had four. Um, Matt Roy had four. Like It was just kind of a great performance top, at, top to bottom with this team. You watch this game and you think, this team's going to build off of that win. They're going to go into Vancouver. Vancouver is a team that's basically in a tailspin. They're a mess right now. Uh, And you're thinking, you know, this will be a nice little two game win streak, road trip, whatever. And we're going to build off of the things we did successfully in this game in terms of coming out hot from the beginning in terms of, you know, actually playing with pace from the first puck drop and all those terrible cliche things that you hear all the time. And you just sort of are like, well, well, you know, hockey cliches, but it's true. And you're like, cool, this is great. We're going to go to Vancouver. We're going to do the thing against the, the Canucks. We didn't do the thing. We'll talk about what did happen coming up next on the show. But first up, let's talk meat because I don't know about you, but I love snacks. I love food. I love having people cook for me. I love not having to think about what I do for a meal, that it's just there. It's magical. I feel like right now, especially in the pandemic and not wanting to leave the house and trying to limit your contact with the outside world, um, one company always kind of comes to mind in terms of delivering me food, and that is Omaha Steaks, who've been around basically forever. I remember hearing about them when I was a kid, and now they have a great gift package for you, listeners of this podcast. The holidays are right around the corner, and finding the perfect gift can be tricky, so Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter NHL in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code NHL, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steak Burgers free with your order. Of course, everyone knows all about things like shortages, shipping delays, supply chain stuff, so don't wait to place your order. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com and you'll get eight free burgers when entering the code NHL. Achieving gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. Go to omahasteaks.com, keyword NHL. Also, 
let's talk phones. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all of the latest episodes of this podcast. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And you get the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all the money you're going to save and all the knowledge you gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. You can get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Important disclaimer, free phone is limited to new customers and just one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage are not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See boostmobile.com for details. So the Canucks, this is a team that has basically been in disarray for all like, well, all season is putting it nicely. Uh, the They've been in disarray for years and years, and this year kind of reached a, a, a boiling pitch or a fever pitch or whatever the right phrase is because of how poorly the Canucks have done. They are a team that you know made some big moves in the offseason. They shed a lot of salaries of guys who you know weren't necessarily contributing. Um, you know, Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, uh, all sent to Arizona. They got all of Rackman Larson, who isn't as good as he used to be, but still should be a serviceable defenseman. Uh, they have players like Brock Besser, like Elias Patterson, like Quinn Hughes, who are poised to be stars in this league. On paper, this team should have been at least average. Uh, Thatcher Demko has been really good in net. He's really kind of emerged as a, a goalie to be reckoned with. Last season was sort of his breakout year, and you're like, all right, Canucks are at least going to be competitive. No, no, they, they are not. They, they're, yeah. This season has been just a mess for the Canucks. Um, right now, this is after their game against the Kings. Uh, they are still dead last in the Pacific Division. They're 9-15-2. They give 20 points. Uh, same record as Seattle, actually. Um, they have lost four of their last 10. Their stars are underperforming. Their goalie is underperforming. Their everything is just a struggle. And the kind of season-long yearning to have some change at the front office level finally was uh, enacted the other day when the ownership of the Vancouver Canucks fired coach Travis Green. They also fired general manager Jim Benning, assistant general manager John Weisbrod, assistant coach Nolan Baumgartner. All those guys are out. And Bruce Boudreau, good friend Bruce Boudreau, brought in to coach the Vancouver Canucks for this season and next season. So, you're like, okay, uh-oh, because there's nothing like that new coach bump for a team of a bunch of guys who have been kind of checked out, who have not necessarily been doing their best. There was that uh, report a little while ago from uh, a Canucks practice where one of the guys in the middle of a drill was just like, we don't know what we're doing, which is a familiar, like, I certainly wish at my job I could just, whenever someone's like, why aren't you doing the thing that I could just exasperatedly be like, I don't know what I'm doing. But so things were just going bad for the Canucks. And, you know, I, I, I've seen some analysis on Travis Green and, you know, it's, you, you really don't know what kind of coach he is because he wasn't really given a fair shake with the Canucks because he never really had a great roster. And whenever he would get kind of close, other things would happen. Like, so if he's a bad coach or not, I don't know. And, frankly, kind of irrelevant to me. I don't think that he's going to be coming to LA anytime soon. But 
for a team as frustrated as the Canucks, top to bottom in the lineup, they get a new coach in, a guy who has, you know, recognized long-term success. Sure, he has a problem getting his team over that final hump, but he gets teams to the playoffs. He gets teams to play successfully. He has a good relationship with his players. Uh, it's just that he can't ever get them the whole way. But right now, the Canucks aren't concerned with getting the whole way to anything. They just want to be not the worst team in the division. So Bruce Boudreau, back from retirement. Well, he never retired, but, you know, he's back coaching the Canucks. And, yeah, so your reaction, ah, crap, because there's a new coach in town, new leadership. Every last guy there wants to stand up and show what he has and show that he can be a good player and that if he isn't a part of the future of the Canucks, that maybe they should consider sending him somewhere that he will be a part of a future something. So the Canucks came into this one and they did all the things that a team should do when they want to win a game. Uh, they came out strong from the very beginning. They limited the Kings to shots. It took the Kings something like, what, six, seven minutes before they got their first shot on goal. It ended up being a draw in terms of shots each period. Uh, 11 for the Kings in the first, 12 for Vancouver. Uh, it, total shots 31 to 30 in favor of the Kings. But like from the beginning, Vancouver had the edge in this one. They came out hungry. They came out actually wanting to play. And again, that new coach bump of wanting to make an impression on the guy who is going to be in control of their career for at least a little bit really worked. Uh, the first period, nothing special, nothing great. Um, the Canucks certainly had it seemed like the better of the chances. And then in this game, the uh, the Kings' struggles on, on the penalty kill have reared their head again. Canucks had four opportunities on the power play. They scored on two of them. Brock Besser got the game's first goal on the power play. Uh, and this isn't a particularly good power play unit. Uh, the, the Canucks also don't have a particularly good penalty kill unit either. Uh, and the Kings couldn't get anything accomplished there. Uh, teams have basically learned what the Kings' strategy is, and they stack up the blue line and disrupt it. And then the Kings don't know what to do. And then half the time play turns back the other way. And that's why the Kings lead the league in shorthanded goals against other goals from the Canucks, Connor Garland and Yuho Lamico uh, both scored. And the Lamico one in particular, which uh, came off of a truly rookie mistake from Rasmus Kapari turned unforced error, just blindly threw the puck away uh, and, and allowed that one to go back the other way. But you know, this was a game. Sometimes you watch these games and you're like, okay, well we didn't win it, but maybe we, you know, we at least were respectable. It wasn't a terrible experience. Could have gone the other way, flip a coin, play this game again, and maybe we get a different outcome. No, at no point in time, did the Kings deserve to win this one? Uh, they came out flat from the beginning. Uh, they had, there was just no energy. Let the Canucks dominate things. And this is the Canucks. They're not good. My apologies to our dear son, Tanner Pearson, but like, this isn't a good team, at least the way that they're playing right now. And to watch this Kings team, which has talent, we've seen it. We've seen it come out. We've seen those games where you're like, oh, wow, this team can actually like hang with some of these other you know competitors. We just saw it last night in Edmonton against the Oilers and three goals on that power play and playing hard from the beginning and shutting down the stars of the other team. We, we can see them do it. And then they turn in a game like this against the Canucks, a team that they should have very easily beaten. And 
you're like, okay, cool. So we've made absolutely no progress whatsoever. We'll take another couple of thoughts from that game as well as uh, look at some lineup news uh, coming up next. But before we do that, let's talk to you all about betonline.ag because BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues their march to the playoffs, no matter what sport it is, if it's basketball, football, hockey, boxing, fighting, casino games, whatever it is, you can find all of it at betonline.ag, which remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Go on to the website on your phone or on your computer and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code locked on to receive that bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So go check it out. BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, where the game starts. So here we are. Kings turn in a loss against the Canucks, a team that they should have beaten, a team that they needed to beat if they wanted to, you know, have any hope again of climbing back up the standings. Their tenuous grasp on that wildcard spot has slipped a little further. They're currently sixth in the Pacific behind San Jose. Vegas, which was down kind of in the basement, is climbing back up. They're fourth in the Pacific Division right now. There's just no excuse for it. The power play in particular, there's too much talent on this team. And I know that's kind of frustrating just to, to say or even think about because part of the problem the Kings have had over the years is there isn't enough talent and there isn't enough, you know, elite skill to really make much of a difference so like I get it but like you can at least put together one power play unit that should be able to reliably do some damage uh, particularly against the league's worst penalty kill in the form of the Vancouver Canucks so while I think it's maybe too early to start calling for heads I do think that this team in the front office needs to seriously examine what is going wrong and why players aren't getting the job done. Is this a coaching issue of the way that they're being coached to play is ineffective? Is this a personnel issue? If I pick up that first power play unit and I plunk them down on some other team with some other coaching staff, is there going to be a difference? Are they going to suddenly be good again? Uh, we have seen players and you know, the first one that comes to mind is, is Jeff Carter, but we've seen it with basically anyone who has left the team who says, you know, when I came to my new team, in this case, Carter with the Penguins, I was basically told to just go play hockey. And I didn't have to overthink it. I didn't have to like ponder where I was supposed to be or what I was supposed to do. The coaches trusted me as a professional who has been doing this for a very long time to do what needed to get done and to play with the creativity and the speed and the whatever that has made me successful throughout my career. And we see that repeatedly with players who leave the Kings. And like, I, I will say that this isn't just a Kings problem. I think that with, you know, with any player who leaves a team, kind of the first thing that they're going to say is like, yeah, I just got to play my game. So like, understandable, but we're repeatedly seeing guys saying that they essentially have to overthink things to play within the systems that Todd McClellan and the Kings coaching staff are asking them to, to do. So there's something happening there. And in the kind of post game comments from Jim Fox on this one, I, I saw a little bit of it uh, in terms of the post game for the loss to the Canucks. You know, he, he was basically kind of alluding to a lack of confidence for the Kings of they go out there and they don't look like they know what they're doing because they're having to think too hard. And this is something that has been repeatedly a problem for the Kings over the past handful of seasons. 
And I don't know how you fix that because you do need to have some structure. You can't just look at your guys and say, all right, go do whatever the hell you want. Like that's not how it works. You don't build a hockey team of each guy acting on his own. But what happens when players don't know what they're doing when they are not confident in a system or a skill is they revert back to the way that they used to play. They revert back to what they know the best. And so then you end up getting five guys at a time out there all doing their own thing because they have varying levels of confidence or understanding in the system and what they're being asked to do. And so then you have a hot mess like you did last night against the Canucks where the players, they look disjointed, passes aren't connecting, there's no chemistry between guys in the ice. And it's very frustrating to watch because you think about games where everything worked like a well-oiled machine and you're like, where did that go? How did this change overnight that you suddenly lost confidence in the face of an opponent who just came out a little harder at you the first period? Like if you're going to crumple and let the other team take over just because from puck drop, you're like, oh no, they're faster than us. Like, what are you even doing here? So I... So this game, this combination of games was very frustrating to watch because you had the Edmonton game, one that they shouldn't necessarily have won because of the quality of the competition, where the Kings looked dominant from the very beginning. The Oilers could never quite get their game together. Uh, They succeeded on the power play. They shut down the Oilers' top power play. And overall, you're like, this looks great. And then they come in literally 24 hours later against an inferior opponent and just can't get anything going. So like I said, for me personally, it's a little too early to be on the like fire Todd McClellan train. But one of the things that I always kind of say in terms of how I evaluate a team's improvement, especially kind of a a team like this, where we know they're not competing for the Stanley Cup, we know that. So you kind of you can't look at them and say, well, if you didn't, you know, win the Stanley Cup, you are a failure. Like, that's not really how you can look at it. But for me, it's like, is the team making the same mistakes in game 82 that they made in game one right now? Like, I think my answer to that question is going to be yes. Or, you know, are the team, are the players now who have been playing under Todd McClellan for what, three years, I think for those long-term players, that's long enough for you to have have figured it out. And the fact that we're still seeing a lack of confidence from so many people on this roster who have been here for a while is concerning. So I, I hope that they turn it around. I'd like to think that this game was an anomaly and they just really got kind of bowled over by the new coach bump for the Canucks. I don't know, but it's starting to get a little uncomfortable. Let's just put it that way. The Kings don't play again until Thursday. Um, They just sent Jared Anderson Dolan down uh, to the rain. My guess is to get some minutes back in. Uh, He'll, I assume, be back up after the rain play and be back in time for this, this game against the stars, but it is what it is. So the Kings have two more games coming up this week, uh, Thursday at home against the stars, Saturday at home against the wild. Both of those teams are on hot streaks right now. The wild are really impressive, um, which again, feels weird to say. So uh, this isn't going to be an easy stretch of games by any means for the Kings, but we'll, we'll see what they're made of, how they bounce back from this incredibly frustrating performance against the Canucks. That is it for today. Make sure you tune back in tomorrow uh, for more 
looks at the Kings and what is going on there. Thank you for making this show your maybe first listen of the day every day. Now that we're done here, go make your second listen of the day Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. The show is free and available on all podcast platforms, so go check it out. In the meantime, make sure you're also following this show wherever you get your podcasts. Come say hi to me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah or this show at Locked on LA Kings. Follow along as we navigate whatever happens in the rest of this season. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Come back tomorrow and every day for more Kings news here on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.